This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. David Taylor Klaus, welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here. And God knows we've been giggling enough during the pre-show. So I'm really curious to see where we go. You know, I should start recording as soon as the person gets on so we can save that gold, maybe put it at the end. But I want to tell you, I want to thank you for being a guinea pig on my show today. So I, uh, for the listener, I use a, a platform called Zencaster. And Zencaster has three options. It's got record video, record audio, record video audio only show video or don't show the video just record the audio and one of the reasons why i don't like doing the video is because sometimes it gets blurry when it's recording and i find it distracting but today i realized that i could show the video and record the audio so i get to see david uh in all his glory he's wearing clothes don't 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 get the bad wrong idea there but i so thank you for being the guinea pig and we we realized we neither one of us can pick our nose uh during this show because we kind of gross but uh anyways david who in the world are you and what do you do in the world? Awesome. I, uh, I love the open intro question. Look, I, I'm, I'm primarily a coach and speaker and author. So that's how I spend my time. Um, but the most important role that I have is husband and father, right? And, and actually father-in-law now. But yeah, no, the, the work that I do, it, it's really cool work. I get to describe it as reintroducing successful entrepreneurs to their families. I love that. I yeah. love that because we work, we live in a society where it's work, 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 hustle, 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 hustle. And I saw a video from Gary Vaynerchuk um, a couple weeks ago, and he was saying, you know, you guys not understanding what I'm saying about hustle. I mean, hustle when you're awake. He goes, I get eight hours sleep a night. I'm not talking to work 23 hours a day. So you can hustle when you're awake, but you still need to take care of yourself. You still need to eat right. You still need to work out. You still need to get enough sleep. He goes, I'm not, you, you, all you people are thinking, I'm saying go by without sleep for 30 years. I'm not saying that. And I'm glad he said that because so many people thought, oh, I don't need sleep until I'm 45. No, you need sleep every night. And here's a high performer who gets seven to eight hours sleep every single night. That should be a clue. Yes. Yeah, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Doesn't really work. No. The, the hustle when you're supposed to hustle and when you're off, you're off. And more importantly, when you're not working, be present with family. When yes. you're with family, be present to that. Don't be, don't think about work. Really the gift we give ourselves, particularly as entrepreneurs, is to be present to whatever we're doing in that moment. When we're scattered, when we're distracted, we become disconnected. And let me tell you something, your spouse and your children know when you're not present. Mm -hmm. You can't fake that. Nope. You know, <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis referred to kids as the paparazzi. They see <laughs> everything. They hear everything. And they repeat it at the worst possible time. Yes. <laughs> but the important part is they see and hear everything. So you can't fake that crap. No. And what's interesting is one of my favorite authors is Cal Newport. He wrote deep work, digital minimalism. He's got a new book I'm reading now called the world without email. And one of those books, I don't remember which one it was either deep work or digital minimalism. He talks about, you know, we don't embrace the boredom anymore. We're, we're standing at the supermarket line and there's four or five people in line. And what do we do? We put our phones. He goes, just be bored. We have lost the ability to just be bored. What do you think about that? Well, we've lost the willingness to be bored. We haven't lost the ability. The, the, you know, I call it the tyranny of the flat glass. Yes. Right. We have a phone, we have a tablet, we have a supercomputer in our pocket. <laughs> you know what? 
we have it just ameliorates boredom there's nothing that we're doing that needs to be done in that moment giving your brain time and space to be bored gives your brain time to wander yes. that's where creativity comes from it boredom is not a bad thing in fact it's a it's a critical thing and we find that trying to think of new things and figure out new things and solve problems while you're moving at speed no that's not how it works best. So creating time and space for boredom. Your kids don't know how to be bored <laughs> because if you haven't overprogrammed them, they've overstimulated yes. themselves. <laughs> so yes, more boredom. Yes. I, yeah, it, 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 if I could wave a wand and bring something back, it wouldn't be bell-bottom jeans. It would be boredom. <laughs> I, I used to own bell-bottom jeans. Those of you who are too young, Listening to the show, we thank you for listening to the show. Go Google bell bottom jeans. I'm embarrassed to admit that I wore them at one time. Um, I also used to have hair at one time, and I didn't lose my hair. I actually <laughs> shave it off because I'm not giving in to the salt and pepper uh, gray hair. So I just shave my whole face every day in my head. Um, no, no, any- no, 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 no. It, it's not. It's not gray, Mark. It's silver. That's for- the reframe that allows me to get through it. <laughs> but, you know, I want to go back to just a moment for being present is I'm a daily runner. So every day I run three miles and on the days I leave my AirPods behind and I just go running. I'm amazed at the thoughts I come up with. Uh, I read uh, Jay Shetty's book. I'm giving dropping a lot of books today. Uh, um, Think like a monk. He talked about. Meditation is not just being in a lotus position going, um, he goes, if you go for a run and you're not listening to music or an audiobook or a podcast, that's a form of meditation because your body goes, okay, listen, long as we keep one foot in front of the other and the eyes keep looking ahead, we can go wander, do something else. But if you're listening to music, a podcast or an audiobook, then your brain's trying to process. And so I feel more energized, believe it or not, if I go for a run without listening to anything than I do with. Look, I'm a, I'm a distant cyclist. So <laughs> I should say I was before COVID. I'll get back to the road. Now I'm doing it inside. But as a distant cyclist, you can't wear headphones while you're riding. It's dangerous. There are cars and other cyclists and other humans out there. So you don't. And and what's fabulous is you're going on a, in a 20, 30, 50, 100 mile ride. That is soothing. I mean, oh, no, no. Don't get me wrong. Your legs and your lungs suffer. That's part of it. But (laughs) when your body's occupied like that and your brain is paying attention to what's on the road, there's plenty of time for the rest of your mind to wander. And it's brilliant what comes up during those rides because I I, I don't have anything to occupy me other than, oh, I don't know boredom. <laughs> I had a business a business partner 25 years ago who used to write all of our marketing copy while he ran. And th- 25 years ago there was no iPhone to dictate to. <laughs> He's running and he would come back and write pages wow. that he had run through in his head while he was running. That's where he got creative and that's where he could process stuff. So, yeah, I was never inspired to run from that because I respect my knees. But I get the concept of occupying your body to free your mind. I love that. Occupy your body to free your mind. That's something if I was still on Twitter, I got rid of Twitter. But uh, you could tweet that. (laughs) I got I did. I watched you you are. 
I was going to say, you are a productivity guy. I can see getting rid of Twitter. Yeah. Well, what I did is people were telling me, Mark, you got to watch The Social Dilemma. You got to watch The Social Dilemma. And I got, I got something against Netflix, but I went and bought Netflix for a month just to watch this one show. And this show moved me so much. As soon as I finished, I deleted Twitter. I deleted TikTok, Instagram, my Facebook page, Pinterest. And the only two platforms I'm on now are LinkedIn. And my fun platform is Snapchat. I love Snapchat. Did you know? Everybody know that Mark Zuckerberg tried to buy Snapchat in 2013. Do you know who bought them, tried to buy them in 2016, and they were told no? No. Google. Ooh. Whoa. So if all these people are trying to buy Snapchat, that makes you kind of wonder. And what's interesting is I heard on one of Gary V's videos, he had the CMO, uh, the chief marketing officer of Snapchat. They actually have grown up. They're older. They're no longer so much kids now. They're actually like 25 to 40. So it's actually the demographics are getting older. I like Snapchat because it's fun. You got all the filters and stuff like that. And so that's my one outlet. So if you want to f- see what I do, my lunacy behind the scenes, go follow me on Snapchat because that's where I just, I let it go. I'm more... I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm buttoned up on LinkedIn, but I'm more professional. I just let it all hang out in Snapchat. It's fun for me. So, so I noticed, Mark, in that long litany of social media platforms, you didn't mention the C word. You oh, yes. Let's, you know, I, I, I'll <laughs> tell you that if you're listening to the show, and you are because you're hearing our words, let me tell you something. Whenever a new platform comes out, even if you never think you're going to use it, go get your username. So I got my username on Clubhouse. I've never been on it. And what I've been hearing from everybody, and for some reason, everyone from LinkedIn is on is on Clubhouse. I hear, oh my gosh, it's addicting. I'm wasting all my time on there. I'm not getting anything done. And I'm like, I'm a productivity a good guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm learning stuff. Okay, it's like you're learning stuff. That's great. Okay, I applaud you for learning stuff. But- don't you have work to do? I mean, is that really going to move the needle? I mean, people are spending hours and hours and I'm like, track how many time, how many hours you're on, on, on clubhouse. And I, and I, when people ask me to explain, I say it is, it's really audio only zoom. It's basically what it is. It's audio only zoom. And I have my podcast for that. So I won't be on um, clubhouse and people have been telling me, Oh, you're, you're not going to make it. I'm like, uh, yeah, well, they're Cal Newport's not on social media and he's doing pretty well. And so is um, Adam Grant. Hey there, it's Mark, and I want to invite you to become a Mark Struchowski Insider and get the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free. It all happens over at MrProductivity.com. Yeah, and and I think, so first of all, I, I, I you don't want people to miss what you said. Any new platform that comes out for, for brand consistency and brand protection, go get your username. Right. So that I, I agree. I've done that on even some of the most terrifying platforms. And, you know, Clubhouse is interesting. I think you need to be with any platform. You need to be strategic about how you use it, not just dive on it because it's there, not just use it because it's there, but you have agency. You have to decide, not choose, decide how much time you're going to give it. Your time and your attention, look, we live in a world where we are time poor and attention poor, and that was before the pandemic. So you need to decide how much free rent in your head you're going to give any platform, right? My live broadcast that I do every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, I do Mindset Mondays with DTK. It's live on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, and now I flip on 
Clubhouse as well. So I'm live on these platforms, and then I get to have a little more interactivity on Clubhouse afterwards. So I'm using it strategically for conversations that fit into what I'm doing. But my God, it's super easy to get sucked in, right? I got, I, I was on a call for a couple hours while I was in the kitchen cooking dinner last night. Did it serve me? Probably not. Was it a fascinating conversation? Yes. Was it a strategic use of it? Absolutely not. Could I have used that time to be bored? Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I could have, yeah. but that's the challenge. Yeah. Well, here, here's the thing. When, when people say, oh, you should be on Clubhouse, you should be on Instagram, you should be on TikTok, I don't have to be anywhere. I, I get to choose. And I remember when I first started my entrepreneur journey, I shared about this on the show before, is I was told there's three rules to being a successful entrepreneur. Rule number one, build your list. Rule number two, build your list. And rule number three, build your list. And I would start building my list and I go, ooh, Facebook. And I would lose focus. And I come back to build my list. Ooh, Instagram. And I come back to build my list. Had I never lost focus, there's no telling how big my list would be. But I kept getting, um, you know, losing my focus on these bright, shiny objects. And what people don't realize is you don't own Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat or LinkedIn or Clubhouse or YouTube. You don't own that stuff. See, I own all the content on the Mark Stuchowski podcast. They could ban Mr. Productivity from podcasting. I, I can't imagine they'd ever do that. But I've got all the interviews. I've got my website. Okay. You don't own the stuff, so it's okay to use it. But what really terrifies me, uh, DTK, I guess is what I should, should, should be calling you now, um, is people go get a, a domain and they have it directed to their Facebook page. I'm like, oh, don't do that. Ooh, Never do yeah. that. No, let's go back to the list building, though. You're absolutely right. You know, there are several people say your network is your net worth. Yes, I get building your list, building your community. It's like people, I please, God, stop calling it funnel. They are not your, people are not in your funnel. People are part of your community. <laughs> they move yeah. through different stages of relationship with you. But funnel is, it sounds like you're putting cattle through the chutes towards slaughter. It's gross. So anyway, your community, yeah. building your community is critical. And each one of those platforms can be used to build engagement and to build your community. Now, most people experience it exactly like you just said. Oh, they lose focus. They get distracted by it. It becomes a shiny ob object. It doesn't become an effectively used tool. It becomes an attention black hole. So, so the real question becomes, how do you maintain intention when something grabs your attention? That's the, that's the game for the entrepreneur. Can you hold your intention as something grabs your attention so you can then choose consciously? Those are the three legs of the, st of the stool for the entrepreneur. Clear on your intention, <laughs> stingy with your attention, yes. and choosing consciously how all of it is applied. I love that. That was the lesson I needed when I was 25, not when I was 55. So, oh, you're 55? Yeah. Wow. We're both double gray hair. Okay. Yes. I, I, see, I shaved mine off, so you can't tell how old I am. I look, I probably like 12. <laughs> um, so I got to ask you about this. You say the phrase work life balance is killing us. What do you mean by that? Oh, God, I hate that phrase. I do. Um, <laughs> here, here, here's why. I don't know whose perverse idea it was to put the word work first. That's the major problem. That the reason I say reintroducing successful entrepreneurs to their families is they're living a work first mentality. Mm -hmm. 
And it's like, oh, I'll be happy when, or I'll have more time for my family when. That's terrible. And it kills relationships. It kills parent-child relationships as well. And it teaches children the wrong lesson. They're, they're, this quality time versus quantity time, that's another form of the same lie. Mm-hmm. Say, oh no, as long as it's quality time, it's okay. No, it's not. Kids don't want you for five minutes. Your spouse doesn't want you for five minutes. They want your clear, undivided attention and presence. And so the idea of work-life balance, the first thing that's wrong with it is they put work first. Well, the second thing is, well, in order to balance two things, you have to separate them. That chance. And whoa, that was true before the pandemic. During lockdown, when our sense of work and home and place have all been redefined, <laughs> you can't separate them. So it's not about finding even a sense of balance across the things that are part of your life, work, family, community, faith, you name it. You have these things that are part of your life. Well, you can't balance them because you can't separate them. So the real game is to find a rhythm across and between all the different components of your life. So if there were a phrase, it should be life-work rhythm. But again, that gives work priority, that it doesn't deserve over family or community or self or fitness, right? So it should just be life rhythm. And when we reframe the way we apply our priorities and the way we apply our values and the way we gift and grant our time and attention through a lens of life rhythm, that's when entrepreneurs can create a thriving business and a thriving family and a wildly fulfilling life and not in that order. That is, I've never heard it put that way before, but you're absolutely right. I mean, you have to separate them because, you know, you think about if you have um, a a teeter totter or a seesaw, however you call it, uh, the two people don't sit next to each other. One sits on one end and one sits on the other end. Because if they're both together, well, if they're in the middle, I guess they could have some kind of weird balance, but if they're on either end, it's not going to balance. So I never, but I understand what you're saying. You need to separate the work and the life. And I do agree. Life has to kept first because if you don't have a good life, uh, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, your work is going to suffer. So I agree with you. I think life does need to come first. And, and. And this, even the idea of people saying, oh, 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 life work balance. Okay. So I did a search on Google. You put things in quotes. You're supposed to get just that phrase, right? Yeah. No. So I put life work balance and I went through the first hundred results. 75 of them came back as work life balance. We have it so wrong culturally that the Google algorithm also has it wrong. <laughs> it's reinforcing our stupidity. Wow. And and I do I do honestly think it is stupid to continue using the phrase work life balance because it's a lie that corporate America started promoting to get us to work more. Hmm. Oh, and enjoy it. Ha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, you know, I I like to know what you think of this thought. I, I've been saying for years that you can never be your most productive self unless you're doing what you love to do, where you love to do it. Do you agree with that? Uh, I do. And and look, I know that there are things we have to do in our life that don't light us up. 
Yeah. Bummer. <laughs> we we have ultimate control over the way we frame what we're doing, right? We when we choose our lens, when we change our lens, the lens through which we see the world, we change our experience. So if we change our lens, we change our lives. So you can choose how to frame it. If if I'm do it, I do not like taking out the garbage. Right? But if I find any motivation for it, right? If whether it's modeling for the kid, whether it's I want it out of there because it smells, or I'm doing something that gets me outside, even if it's just for a moment, if I can find any motivation to attach to it, I can engage in it through a different lens. And no matter what you do for your work, for what you get paid for, fine, find a motivation for it. Attach a motivation to it. Nobody is making it drudgery but you. Nobody is making you miserable but you. You may not be able to control the external events, but you sure as heck can change how you see it, how you frame it, how you hold it. That is the gift of having a conscious mind. You determine the framing. Hey, I now have an affiliate program where you can earn up to 30% commission just for referring people to my paid program. To find out more, go to mrproductivity.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and click the link. You know, that's so important. I want to make sure people don't miss that because I hear all the time, and I'm sure you do, oh, this person made me mad. No, they did something and you decided to react in anger. Okay. I was watching a Tony Robbins video recently and he goes, you know, when something happens to people, we tend to respond to it in the same way. And he goes, for example, a lot of people, when they get angry, they use the F word. Okay. So he decided to come up with a new F word. He started using fascinating. And he told the story about how many years ago he was ripped off and Instead of getting angry, he started going, that's fascinating how these people rip me off because what happens is it got him into a different state. And when you're in a different state, when you're in a more positive state, you can think clearly. But if you're going F this, F this, F this, you're so angry, then you can't think straight. So what I'm trying to do, and this is definitely a work in progress for me and probably the rest of the human race is we have to change our state. So when something happens, you need to change your state. So let's say you're driving down the road, it's pouring rain, you get a flat tire. Now you can get angry at the rain, at God, at the road, at the tire, the tire manufacturer, or you can do what Tony says, just do a big belly laugh. I mean, so, so hard you cry because that puts you in a state. Look at, you didn't die, got a flat tire, it's raining out. And the problem is when we're in anger, when we're in the angry state, we cannot focus on, okay, this is not that big of a deal. Everything becomes a major issue. So what I'm trying to do is practice staying in a positive state because if you have the wrong state everything that comes after it like you said work-life balance life ba- life work balance doesn't matter if you're not in the right state everything's going to go cattywampus after that would you agree uh, look absolutely if w- one of the quotes that i use at the very beginning of the book is that is um that we do not see the world as it is we see the world as we are yes so absolutely if we if we choose a positive state, if we decide that there is a gift in every experience that happens and we're going to find it, we're going to look occurrences happen and the human brain attaches meaning. Yes. It is all made up. So if it's all made up anyway, what if you chose something that served? Why not? 
It is all your decision. And, and, and that's the piece. There, there's a distinction between choosing and deciding. Yes. And, and I have a, a litter of pens across my room, and here's why. <laughs> so w- what your listeners don't see is I have a blue pen and a black pen in my hand. If I decide to choose the blue, sorry, if I choose the blue pen, then I just put the black pen back in the cup where my pens are. Yeah. It's still an option as a choice. But if I decide on the blue pen, that means I throw the black pen away. It's no longer a choice. The root of the word decide, the Latin root is decere, to cut. So when one decides, one cuts out the other options. There's no plan B. Deciding on a positive frame, deciding on this lens through which to see the world is eliminating the other options. And we have a because we are in the land of plenty, because there is so much choice available to us, we don't make decisions, let alone decisions that serve us. You know, it's this is about making the decision and making the decision right. Whether you like Larry Wingen or not, that quote is brilliant. Make the decision, then make the decision right. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't like waste your energy faffing about with second guessing. Yep. Decide. Yep. That a lot yes, I get preachy about this for a reason, because this is one of the areas where people set themselves up for misery. I agree. I, I, I agree. And I think that is such a powerful point. That's where we should end the interview with you, because I want to leave people on a high note. And so what we're going to do now, we're going to switch to a fun part. And this is Mike Swap. So if you've never listened to the show before. Thank you. Welcome to the show. Uh, this is called Mike Swap because I allow DTK to be the temporary host of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. Now, he's not going to ask me. Well, he can ask me about my credit card and social security numbers. I won't answer that question, but he can <laughs> ask me any question he wants. And if I don't know the answer, I'll say I don't know the answer. But it's just a fun way to end the episode. So DTK, you are now the host temporarily of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. So I, I love the idea of dipping into what motivates folk. And one of the things we talked about in the pre-show was the work you're about to do um, around Alzheimer's. And I'm fascinated. Um, so first thing, I'm sorry that it's part of your world. And I'm so uh, I'm grateful for the work you're choosing to do. And I really want to give you a chance to talk about what you're doing. Will you do that? Well, thank you so much. Uh, this is going to be coming yeah. down the road. Uh, so my mom's got diagnosed with late onset Alzheimer's. She's a three-year-old mm. trapped in a 76-year-old body. Uh, her mother died of Alzheimer's, and I'm doing all I can to mitigate my chances of getting Alzheimer's. I run every day, eating better, drinking water, sleeping better. But then I said, you know, what can I do to serve the ALZ, Alzheimer's Association organization, to promote awareness of ALZ because ALZ doesn't care if you're black, white, green, orange, purple, young, old, rich, poor, doesn't care. I mean, it just will attack you. Um, and so what I'm doing is I'm working with the ALZ Houston and I'm creating a mega episode. I'm going, I already have the name of it. I haven't even started recording the episodes yet. I already got the name of it. It's going to be called ALZ from A to Z. I'm going to have doctors, scientists, social workers, what ALZ is doing. I'm going to create these interviews probably over three or four weeks. I'm going to stitch them all together for the mother of all ALZ episodes. And because I want people to realize that focuses on, you know, the cancer and on the American Heart Association and COVID, those are all great. But 
Alzheimer's is still a very deadly disease and you can, you can actually do mm. things to mitigate the chances of getting it. But once you get it, there is no cure. So I'm trying to use my podcast to bring awareness to Alzheimer's disease. Yeah. So, so one of the things that I do in my world is support a group of folks called impact billionaires, folks that are working on things that can impact the lived experience of a broad swath of humanity, that they're not driven by the number of dollars they amass. They're driven by the number of lives they touch. And, and Mark, I want to acknowledge you because what you're doing is an opportunity to change the lived experience of all of us as we age. Cause as you said, Alzheimer's doesn't discriminate on any demographic. So, oh my God, this is, this is super important work. And, and I want you to talk about it a lot. And I want you to talk about it everywhere because you're also modeling, taking action on something that's important, not just to yourself. It's widening your impact footprint, using your voice, literally. Well, thank you for the encouragement. Is that the only question you have or do you have one more? I, I do have one more. So I'm going to go from the sublime to the ridiculous. Um, you're wearing, you know, that very subtle NHL on your, on your sweatshirt. Oh, now um, where are you from? Uh, well, I'm from Atlanta, but I grew up with the Atlanta flames here. And ah, I played, okay. I was like, How does he know what the NHL is? <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. I, I played for years and, and also uh, uh, a fan for a long time. So who's your team and who's your favorite player from when we were coming up? Well, I, I don't actually watch much hockey anymore now that I live in Houston because uh, my <laughs> wife and I, six years ago, we cut the cord. And so we only get over the air and there's never any hockey over the air. I mean, you know, all this not a are. big thing in Houston. It's not a big thing in Houston. But I, I grew up uh, in Rochester, New York. And so they were the farm club of the Buffalo Sabres. And I used to go to the Rochester Amherst hockey games. And I used to follow Buffalo, but then I started following the Dallas star, the Minnesota North stars, which became the Dallas stars. I did go see one. I won tickets to go see a preseason game, which all excited about it. Except I had to drive four and a half hours to Dallas, which is a long haul. And then we didn't at the time we didn't have money. So we had to drive back. So the game ended at 10 o'clock. We got home at two o'clock in the morning. Oy. Uh, but I got to see an NHL preseason game. It was pretty cool. You know, any athlete, my hat goes off because we look at him on TV and like, Oh man, I can't believe they missed the shot or they missed the three pointer. They missed catch. You know, you're not on the field. Okay. And have right. these 400 pound linebackers chasing you down. You have no idea. These my hat goes off these people. And my dad, he's 80 years old, and we have this conversation all the time because I'm a capitalist, right? And he's like, all oh, these players, no one's worth that kind of money. I said, Dad, if someone asks for a billion dollars and the owner's willing to pay for it, why should you fault the owner or why should you fault the fault the player? I mean, he asked for it and it's okay, billion. How about nine hundred million? How about eight hundred? And they negotiate. I said, look at you are a machinist and you got per certain amount of money because you are in a union. They, they set the wages when you're an entrepreneur, which is what every pl sports player is an entrepreneur. They get what they can get. And so I have no problems of, you know, LeBron James making a trillion dollars a game. Look at, he asked for it, you know, you know, he got paid, but here's the thing. Someday LeBron is going to be gone. He's not going to live forever. We're all going to die at some point. And I'm like, hey, get it. You live in a mansion? I don't be, you know, I don't have a problem with people becoming rich. People go, oh, Jeff Bezos, Leon Musk, how much money do you need? Look at they earned it. Jeff Bezos used to work in a cubicle in New York City, came up with the idea about selling books online. Now he's one of the richest men in the world. I don't fault people like that. So I have respect for people as a 100 percent capitalist. I don't think that that the government should say, oh, take the money from the rich, give it to the poor, the Robin Hood effect. I'm like, you know, 
uh, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, they weren't born billionaires. They grew it. And anybody in this country can become as wealthy as you want to be if you're willing to put in the work. If you're willing, you know, the, the, the time, the effort, and the work. Absolutely. And, you know, Bezos isn't getting slammed up against the boards. He's not, <laughs> you know, not getting in fist fights every day. I mean, whether or not there are people within the organization that would like to, you know, when you're an athlete, <laughs> you are taking a physical beating, not just the emotional beating that other entrepreneurs take. Now I got to right? ask you, I, I, there's only so long they can earn. Yes. Now I got to ask you this question. I love going to YouTube and looking for videos of goalie fights. That just, <laughs> I love goalie fights. I mean, first of all, if you're not familiar with hockey, they're on both ends of the ice. So they have to skate in all their gear. Always, and it's always at center ice. They always like do it on center. It's so funny because they've all this extra gear on. I think it's hysterical seeing goalies. Fight. Oh, no, no, no. It's like the first date trail of clothing, man. You're seeing gloves and a helmet and a face mask. Everything's being thrown as they race towards center ice. Absolutely. But they still and, have the leg pads on, though. Yeah, which makes them rather ungainly. So it's not it's it's not an elegant fight at all. It's it's sloppy, and they hit each other so hard as they finally get to each other. Yeah. So yes, I'm I, I was a I was a defender. So yeah, I I enjoyed that part a lot. One person, and I'll I'll end this uh, on this is the one person I would never want to get in a fight with is Donald Chera of Boston because that guy had like a nine foot wingspan, and so he could <laughs> hold you and just pound you, and you. You're flailing around because that guy, the guy's so tall and arms are so long. Uh, so if I saw him, like, gotta no. use your strengths. <laughs> yeah, no, your strength. So DDK, this has been so much fun. Where can we go to find out more about you and what you're doing in the world? Hey, I'm a fan of making it easy. So go to mindsetmondays with dtk.com. You can find out about my book, Mindset Mondays with DTK. You can find out about the coaching I do and the work I'm doing in the world. And more importantly, there's a rewire framework that I created to, it's a structured approach to integrate and reinforce any new way of thinking, being, and doing. And trust me, all entrepreneurs and leaders need that. You can download it for free and play with it. Excellent. Not selling you anything. Yes, of course, I'd like you to buy the book, though. <laughs> Honestly, I love it. Well, DTK, thank you so much for being on the show. Absolute thrill having you here. Yeah, it was my pleasure. It was nice seeing you as well. As well as you. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchewski Podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchewski Insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.